0: There was a day we could do that ourselves. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's good to be here today. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Word. Amen. I tell you, there's no book in the world like the Bible. No matter who writes what book, the Bible still remains the bestseller every year, year after year after year after year. After year. It's a book of life, a book of light. Um, uh, it will uh, it will enhance your life. There's no greater... Uh, Life enhancement than the Word of God. No greater life enhancement. And if you'll make a decision to live by the Word, it doesn't mean that you'll never have uh, trial or trouble or tribulation of any kind. It means you'll overcome in every trial. All trouble and all tribulation. The Word imparts to you the ability to be the overcomer that Jesus died for you to be. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray just for a moment. Father, thank You so much for this wonderful church. Uh, the heritage of it, the years of ministry that are behind. But Father, we thank You for the years of ministry that are ahead. Lord, the breakthroughs, the revivals, the power of God in manifestation. Another generation rising up and doing the will of God in this church and in this area, Father. We thank You that the best and greatest days are ahead. The outpouring of God's Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost, the Word of God being taught, and all that we've believed, God, for many, many years, coming to fruition in these last of the last days. We thank you for it. Thank you for your word today. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you that forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Thank you today we have more than just a listening mind. Thank you that we have a hearing heart, so that the word of God will have great effect. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Praise God. Well, I wanna I wanna Minister the Word to you, then I want to minister to you today, so that means i'm going to teach the Word for a little bit, and then I want to pray for some people i uh, I was praying about what to do. I had so many directions to go uh I, I teach and preach quite a lot so i uh, I've got two series going on at our church, and then we places we go out and teach and preach. I want you to go to Genesis chapter three, and I want to deal with the subject of fear this morning and uh I was kind of reminisce- reminiscing about, uh, it was back in September uh, on 9 uh, 11 when the, when the, uh, uh, two, tr- uh, World Trade Center towers were attacked in New York City. And, uh, uh that took, pl- actually took place on a Tuesday. And, uh, I was scheduled to fly out to El Paso, Texas on Saturday. And I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to go till, Till, uh, uh, actually till Friday of that, of that week. I didn't know if I was going to be able to go. And sure enough, Friday they, they lifted the flying, uh, restrictions and planes began to fly again. And I'll never forget the flight, uh, flying from Houston, Hobby to El Paso. Uh, there was me and one other guy and three stewardess and the, and the pilot and the co-pilot. That was all that was on the plane. And, and when you walked in the airport, the fear that was in that airport was so tangible. You could literally feel it. And on that airplane, we got on the airplane. I'll never forget what the pilot said. He said, well, I don't know what the rules and regulations are, but I have a gun, so don't be afraid. We're going to make it to El Paso. So I thought, well, that's pretty cool, you know. And so, you know, but to 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 see fear on such a level, we've seen it uh, several times, a couple of, about three years after Leah and I were married, there was a huge storm in the Gulf of Mexico, a big hurricane. And they, it was aimed right at Galveston, was supposed to be coming at Galveston. And we had prayed. And the Lord assured my heart that the storm was not coming. But we had to deal with, you know, uh, the you go to the grocery stores, all of the food on the shelves are gone, the, the water's gone, uh, people are streaming out of town. And the fear that was in that city, fear can take over a nation, fear can take over a city, and fear can take you over if you're not careful. And what a lot of people don't realize is that fear is a force that has to be resisted. If you don't resist fear, it's going to overtake you. It's going to overcome you. And the problem with a lot of believers is they've learned to live with fear instead of instead of uh, uh, they've learned to live with fear as fear oppressed them instead of just overcoming it. Now we could talk about faith and how how faith and fear are two contrasting forces, but I think one of the biggest problems we have in the body of Christ is people don't know their enemies. They don't. They don't study. They don't study the devil. You know, I study the devil. You know, I do a do a series every year on the authority of the believer. And one of the one of the uh, actually, I think we do it for two Sundays in a row. We teach on the devil. We show who he is. We talk about his origins. We talk about his tactics. Jesus taught on the devil. The Apostle Paul taught on the devil. A lot of Christians don't have no idea who the devil is. They just, you know, they they, they get it from Hollywood or, or from some video and they think that's what the devil is. But you know, the Bible says in Isaiah, when we see him for who he really is, we'll say, you mean this is the one that's been giving me all the problems? You know, he's defeated, he's destroyed, he's under our feet. We have authority over him. But I tell you, if you let him, he'll sure give you a problem. Especially in the area of fear. Now, Genesis chapter 3, we know the... The tragedy of this chapter, the fall of man, all that took place. Uh, we know that uh the, the serpent beguiled Eve. She brought the fruit to the man. They ate of it together and they fell. Uh, verse 7 says, The eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. It says, And they heard. Everybody say, They heard. They heard, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. Now notice this. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now this is the first time we see the word fear or afraid or anything to do with fear in the Bible. Right here in Genesis chapter 3. Now first of all you must understand that in creation... The human family was not created to, to be a container of fear. It was not in us. It was not in the, it was not in the original human family. I like to say it like this. It was not in original design. You know, we were not designed, uh, we were not designed to be sick. We were not designed to be poor. Uh, we were, listen, this is, I know people have problems with this, but we were not designed to die. That's not how God created us. He did not create us to die. Literally, death came in through sin. You know, uh, we have funerals for our loved ones and we, and we rejoice that we'll see them again one day. But I'm telling you, even the, even the fallen human family fights death with everything that it has. You know, you get somebody in a, in an accident. We were in a hospital room, uh, two weeks ago. And a man that goes to our church was in there who's actually a doctor. And he was hooked to, I never saw so many machines in my life and i'm telling you they were uh, you know death had 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 fastened itself upon him i mean it was there it was in the room you know and uh, and his wife is a little bit wild and crazy and we came in and and she's bouncing around the room oh it's going to be okay god's going to give us a miracle hallelujah and i kind of thought man you got more faith than i got cuz this looks terrible <laughs> you know and uh, i'm telling you he was hooked up to all these machines and there must have been 20 different bags of medication uh, they were breathing for him. Uh, they were regulating everything. I mean, I've never seen anybody in such a terrible shape. It was in the intensive care unit. So we we prayed. We laid hands. We prayed. And I I left there uh, talking, uh, telling Lee. I said, "Man, I, we may have to do this guy's funeral this week." And that morning, the next morning, Sunday morning, he sat up, woke up, sat up. She came to church on Wednesday and said uh, uh he's fine he's on his way to to rehab now so they can rehab him tell him you know get him get him going back uh, uh physically you know but but when he was in that state of dying or death that hospital all those nurses all those doctors everybody there was fighting with everything they had to get another minute another 2 minutes another 5 minutes another hour another day another week it's amazing how humanity fights death but then here's this word Adam says, he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Notice the first thing man was afraid of. Now this is amazing. The first thing man was afraid of was the voice of God. That's the first thing he was afraid of. Now, we 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 think about that today, a church like this that teaches faith, that teaches a, a walk with God that's very precious, and the love of God is... Talked about probably more than anything else. Faith toward God is talked about more than anything else. But listen, we don't realize how strong fear is in Christianity. I mean, there are people that think every bad thing that's ever happened to their life, God's done it to them. I'm not about Christians. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christianity. There's people that are in church, sitting in church this morning, in which the pastor is teaching them that if you've got cancer, then God allowed that to come into your life. He's teaching you some great life lesson. Or if you're gone through bankruptcy, God uh, has allowed that bankruptcy to come into, and it, it creates almost a fear of God. We did a, we did a, we do a conference every year. Actually, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. Your, your pastor will be down there speaking in it, and, and uh, he's always down there, him and Linda, and, and we did, uh, you probably remember, we did a, a, a conference one year, Sunday through Wednesday, two services a day, and our theme was this. God is a good God. God is a good God. God doesn't put cancer on people. God doesn't. God doesn't give negative things into people's lives. And I listen. I've even seen in some Pentecostal circles will say, "Well, you know, God may not have done it, but God allows it. God won't even allow it." We've got to get that out of our mindset. That well, God now God may not have done that, but you know He could have stopped it. No, He couldn't. It only you can stop it. See, a lot of people don't understand that God sits back in the heavens already having completed that which humanity needs to live a life of godliness and righteousness here on the earth. So we have to take the Word of God, the anointing of God, the authority of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, and we've got to live that overcoming life. And you have to make a decision in your own life to identify and defeat fear on the inside. Now, now go, if you will, to the book of Joshua. Let me show you something here in Joshua. Uh, uh, Moses had died. Israel had spent 40 years in the wilderness just kind of wandering around dying. I mean, that's basically what they were doing. And now it came time for Joshua to take over the reins of the nation and to take uh, 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 Israel into the Promised Land. This is in Joshua chapter 1. And I'm amazing how God how God deals. We could go through a, through several of these verses, but I want to go down to verse 6. God speaks to me and says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be there be thou strong and very courageous. Everybody say, very courageous. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from the right hand, nor to the left, that thou mayest. Uh, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou might do all that according to is written therein. For therein thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Who's going to make your way prosperous? You are. It didn't say God will do it. It says we will do it. Now notice the next verse though. It says, Have not I commanded thee... Now this is the third or the fourth time he says this. Be strong and be of a good courage. Be not afraid. Now, all through the Bible, you will see God telling His people, those that are serving Him, don't be afraid. Jesus did the same thing when He was on the earth. They were constantly pushing back against fear because fear is constantly pushing on us. The Bible, Jesus actually said in the last days that people's, that men's hearts would fail them for fear of things that are coming upon the earth. Now, if you'll, if you'll just do a little inventory of your own life, you will find out fear is a very insidious force. We kind of view fear as a, as a you know, if you see a rattlesnake or, 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 or something. No, fear is much more insidious than that. Fear has a way of getting into your life and then producing what I call symptoms. Everybody say symptoms. Now let me tell you what symptoms of fear are. One symptom of fear, or one of the main symptoms of fear, is stress. Doctors tell us stress is one of the origins of almost all of the deadly diseases. Heart disease, cancer, uh, all of these diseases that are so uh, 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 devastating to the human experience, most of them have their origin in stress. Amen? Stress and anxiety and and all of these different things where uh, you you worry you 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 think about the future what's going to happen you think about now what you're going to do and when you begin to understand exactly what fear is what is fear you know here 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 uh, uh, adam we looked at adam over in in chapter 3 of genesis and he was afraid of the voice of god uh here god is exhorting joshua don't be afraid be strong be very courageous fear is a force It is a negative emotion which can touch every part of your being. Fear can touch your flesh, fear can touch your soul, and fear can touch your spirit. Let me say that again. Fear can touch your flesh. How many have ever felt afraid? You know, there's a, there's a whole industry that, that, uh, uh, that, that counts on you being afraid. They make these movies. You know, we got Halloween coming up. They do, we were coming out of Houston, out of Galveston, Galveston yesterday. And I think I counted a half a dozen, uh, 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 signs for, uh, uh what do they call them? Haunted houses. They, that, that's a big thing in Houston. Now, they do these big haunted houses. What almost called phobia house. How many of you know what phobia is? It's fear. Amen. And fear is that negative emotion, it's dread, it's an anticipation of, 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 of bad things, it's an anticipation of negative things, it's an anticipation of things going wrong. The Bible says of Job, that which I greatly feared has come upon me. But if you boil it all down and dig into the Word of God, you'll see fear finds its basis in impending judgment. Now let me say that again. Fear finds its basis. That's why I read Genesis chapter 3. The first time we saw fear was the fear of the voice of God because of what God had said, in the day that you eat of the fruit thereof, you shall surely die. And death, our spiritual death, was the judgment of God against humanity because humanity had committed high treason against God. Amen? Now, we must realize in our own lives If we do not have a correct biblical image of God and a correct biblical image of what God has done for us through the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are going to be subject to fear. You say, why? Because of judgment. You say, what do you mean because of judgment? Because you will think in your own mind and in your own soul and your adversary is the devil, he is an expert at doing this, he will make you think, that if you don't dot every I, cross every T, when it comes to Christianity and serving God, then you're going to step into some kind of judgment against you because you've not served God according to some law that either a denomination or a religion has created or that you've created for yourself. The Bible says, whom the Son says free is free indeed. Amen. Now you have to understand two things. Number one, your adversary the devil has already been judged. Those that follow Him into His judgment are not prejudged. They've already been judged. And your judgment that was against you has already been taken care of upon the cross when the judgment of God was poured poured out upon Jesus Christ. He took your judgment so you have no foundation or basis for fear any longer in your life. And when you begin to realize, hey, There's no condemnation. That word's great throne judgment. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Then you begin to realize that what the enemy wants to do is to begin to separate and segregate fear into certain types of categories in order to present it to you to see like a bait in front of a fish if you'll bite on it. Fear of sickness and disease. Fear of turmoil and strife. You know, our, our nation right now is in tremendous strife and turmoil. I, li- I listened to a historian the other day that, 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 that is very uh, schooled on uh, the different things that's gone on in the history of our nation. And he said, our nation has not been this divided since 1859, right before the Civil War. Our nation has not been this divided. A lot of people are fearing that, f- afraid. They listen to the news. They sit in front of the television. They watch newscasts after newscasts. Listen to radio broadcasts. Listen to this commentator. What this one says. What that. Listen. You're feeding fear is what you're doing. Sickness and disease. That's why you gotta be careful. Not only what you hear, but how you hear it. Because there's all these—I've I, I, watched the trends in medicine. There's the pharmaceutical trend in which they want you taking every kind of pill in the world that does every, We always laugh when we watch them because many of the negative effects are death. I'm to take this. You know, you got you got a bruise on your hand, so they want you to take this pill, but you may die. You know, come on, Amen. But now what's become very, very uh, uh, popular in, in the medical field is for you to go down and they'll do your genetic markers to see what you're subject to because of that which runs in your family. Well, you know, arthritis runs in this family and and cancer runs in this family and diabetes runs in this family. Listen, when you got born again, you got out of that family and you got into God's family. And you've got to realize that God's got you on a journey just like Joshua. Thank God Jesus was the Moses that brought you out. But He's also the Joshua that has brought you in. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. But He's also translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. And your journey into the blessings of God. The enemy is going to try to inhibit you in every way. So you're going to have to be very courageous. And you're going to have to fear not. Everybody say fear not. Now, go down to Isaiah real quick. I'm going to use several scriptures here. I want you to be free from fear this morning so you can obey God in every area of your life. Isaiah 41. I like this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. This is one of my favorite ones to counter fear. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Now, listen to how this reads. This is so, you know, I'm I'm kind of an old school, so I read the King James a lot. It says, Fear thou not, for I'm with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now I want you to see all the eyes in there. Nobody shouted. All of the eyes refers to God. So first of all, God says this. Fear thou not, or let's just say it in good old uh, central Texas uh, uh, English language. Don't be afraid. Look at your neighbor say, don't be afraid. Say, don't be afraid. Say, don't be afraid. Now, He gives us the reason. Fear thou not. Here's the number one reason. I am with thee. Now, that's one of the greatest tactics of your adversary is trying to get you to forget that God is with you. He didn't say, I'm with you when you feel me. I'm with you when there's this great... That this great presence. Now, listen. Let me say this. I am. I am one that probably enjoys the presence of God more than anyone else. I love it in meetings. I've been in the presence of God that was so uh, 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 tangible. I mean, it's like, almost like you could uh, get a get a container and, and fill it up and take it home with you. It was so tangible. But we do not live in a dispensation in which the tangible presence of God is an indication that He's here. Now let me say that again. We do not live in a dispensation in which the tangible presence of God is an indication that He's here. He's here whether you feel it or not. He's here whether there's goosebumps on you or not. He's here whether the hair stands up on the back of your neck or not. He is here because He says He is here. And there's some teaching, there's some erroneous teaching going around right now that talks about the presence of God and how if you don't get up every morning in the presence of God and if you don't live all day long in the presence of God and if you don't sense the presence of God every time you pray. and Well, listen, if that's the way it was, then I've been backslidden for 35 years. Because I pray more with no feelings. I go to church more with no feelings. I serve God with no feelings. I thank God for when the feelings come. But the Bible says the just shall walk by faith and not by feelings. You don't have to fear when you don't feel God. You know, David said in Psalms 23, he said, uh, 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 "Yeah, uh, uh, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He didn't say he wouldn't fear no evil. He said he'd fear no evil. So sometimes you feel evil, but you don't have to fear what you feel. Amen. Amen. So he said, I'm with you. Everybody say, God's with me. Say, God's with me. I'm with thee. Be not dismayed. I am thy God. See, we just take these things for granted. But when God says, I am your God, He is laying a claim on you. You missed that. He's saying, you're mine. I'm yours and you're mine. I am your God. I'm telling you, when the God of the universe, when the one that loves you, the one that redeemed you with the blood of His Son, when the one who's preparing a place for you in heaven, when the one that watches over you by His Word and His Spirit, when He says to you, you are mine, then you ought to just go, thank you, Jesus. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Fear not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. Now, I like this. I will strengthen thee. Say, Pastor, I tell you, I've been feeling so weak lately. The Bible says, I will strengthen thee. God says, I will strengthen thee. You've got to know how to draw on. You've got to know how to pull on the strength of God. You say, how do I do that? All of these things we do in services is geared for you to take these things up out of these services and go walk in them during the week. The confessions they make over the offerings. The praise and worship they say. Every time the pastor says, Say this, or say this, or say that, or say that. The Bible says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. The grace of God and the faith of your heart came together, supplied salvation that was already supplied for you 2,000 years ago. And you walk in that all week long. Everything you need from God, all you gotta do is believe in your heart and confess it with your mouth. Don't get up saying I'm feeling weak. Get up saying the joy of the Lord is my strength. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Who, anybody here know who the right hand of his righteousness is? He said, I'm not going to use an angel to uphold you. I'm not going to use a pastor to uphold you. I'm not going to use a church. I'm going to use Jesus, my Son, the living Word of God. I'm going to use Him to uphold you. Amen. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my right Now, listen to these next couple of scriptures. Let me read them. I'll come back and look at them. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded They shall be as nothing. They that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them, thou shalt not find them. Thou shalt contend with them. They that war against thee shall be as nothing, as and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Now, he... The way it's used here in the Old Covenant, the prophet Isaiah, he says this, Behold, all they that were assenced against thee shall be... Now, it's not the people. Back then, they had enemies that were against the nation of Israel. Are you with me? There were enemies that were arrayed against them that would show up in Jerusalem. They'd show up on the hills around, they'd surround the city. So he, the prophet was talking about all of the enemies of the nation. The enemies of Jerusalem and Judah. That's what He's actually talking about. But for you, the they there is the things that come against you. The sickness, the disease, the financial problem, the problem at your job, the problem in your business, the problem in your marriage, the problem with your kids. Whatever it may be. Now listen to what God says. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be, behold, whatever it may be, that is incensed against you, shall be ashamed and confounded. Now listen to what it says. They shall be nothing, and they that strive with thee, or whatever strives with you, shall perish. You'll seek it. You won't find it. Even that which contends with you, that which wars against you. Now listen to what it says. It shall be as nothing... As a thing of naught. Everybody say naught. Now, anybody know what not means? It means zero. Everybody say zero. Now, here's, 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 you've got to get this. You're made in the likeness and image of God. All of creation made in the likeness and image of God fell into sin and death. But thank God Jesus came and redeemed us. And He brought us back to that place. Of the creature that we should have been before the fall. We are now what? New creatures in Christ Jesus. Actually, I I, I contend that we're better off. You say, how can you say that? We still die, we still go into the grave. But creation was subject to fall, but redemption isn't. Let me say that again. Creation was subject to fall. You say, how do you know that? Because it fell. But redemption isn't. Redemption is not going to fall. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Amen. Amen. Now, being made in the likeness and image of God, you must understand you are a creator. Every one of you. You say, well, how do I create? You create with your words. Your words, the belief of your heart, and your actions. Now, this is not unique to Christianity. This is unique to humanity. We were in uh, Costa Rica many years back. And we'd been doing some ministry, went on vacation. Breland, our our daughter, was small at the time. We went on a uh, snorkeling trip on a sailboat. And so we went out there, we're coming back, and I'm sitting up where the captain is driving the boat. So I was interested in how he came to be uh, the captain of this big, beautiful sailboat uh, down in Costa Rica. And it was quite a pretty long journey, about a two-hour journey to where we went snorkeling. So he's telling the story and all this kind of stuff, and it kind of opened the door for me to witness to it. Now, how he became a sailboat captain in Costa Rica, they own he and his wife own four condominiums that they rent out on the beach, and then they take people snorkeling two times a day, a morning trip and a night trip. That's how they make their living. But before that, they made their living in an air conditioning and heating business in San Francisco, California. So I found out in talking to him that he was a universalist. You know, a universalist kind of believes, well, God's in control of everything. There's not really much you can do. I mean, it's, it's, it's a preset, preordained, you know, whether you live as a drug addict the, on the street or you become the president of the United States, that's all preordained, that's all set in stone, and nobody can ever change it. That's, that's how they believe. Now, we're talking to him, and I'm trying to get him to see that, cause they believe in, he believed in Jesus, he, he believes in God, but, but, but he doesn't believe that he needed to be saved. Now, I'm trying to get him to see that, that you're fallen, Because the first revelation you need as a sinner is that revelation that you are a sinner. And so he just couldn't see that. He was kind of like, I'm okay, you're okay. And I said, now let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you how you came to be a sailboat captain in Costa Rica instead of an air conditioning heating man in San Francisco. I said, one day you were driving down the highway and you had a thought. And that thought was, I'm tired of doing this. I'd rather do something else. Now, I don't know if you came down here on a vacation or however you saw it, but somehow you knew about Costa Rica. You liked Costa Rica. You wanted to go to Costa Rica. This is where you wanted to settle. So one day you had that thought and you continued to think about that and think about that and think about it, till one day you you probably came home and said it to your wife. Hey, sweetie, what do you think about selling out and going to Costa Rica? And I said, the more you talked about it, the bigger it got. And he's looking at me with these big old eyes. Like I'm reading his mind. I wasn't reading his mind. I wasn't I'm the gifts of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't. It just This happens to all of us. I say, and eventually, you kept talking about it, and talking about it, and talking about it, and talking about it, till one day you acted on it and put your business up for sale. Then you sold your business. You came down here and bought those condominiums. You bought that sailboat. Now you've been living what you call your dream life ever since. He said... He must be a mind reader. I said, no, every person on earth, that's how they live their life. Whether they recognize it or not, they are creators. And the Bible says that God does what? For the believer, He creates the fruit of our lips. But your adversary knows that you have that creative force in you, so He's trying to get you through fear to create for Him. Now, let, let, let me help you. In order, according to the Scripture we are reading, in order to make s- something out of nothing. Now, let me tell you what God calls cancer. You know what God calls cancer? He calls it nothing. Most people go, hmm, yeah. No, that's what He does. He calls it nothing. To God, it's nothing. You want know to cause bankruptcy? He calls it nothing. You want to cause depression? Nothing. You want to cause addiction? Nothing. No matter what it is that you can find that's negative in the human experience, that's, that, 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 that goes against the grain of what God has given, He calls, He says, it's nothing. He said, it's nothing. Jesus got up, calmed the storm. Why? Because to Jesus, it was nothing. There was a great need where thousands of people get, uh, needed to be fed. Jesus said, that's nothing. Give me some bread. Give me some fish. He fed them all. Your adversary, through fear, wants you to make something out of nothing. How do you do that? By what you believe in your heart, by what you confess with your mouth. (laughs) I heard the testimony of a a guy. He's a a minister. He's on television, radio a lot. Kind of a a unique guy. And, and, And he went to his cardiologist. And he's he's in his, his mid seventies now, and he went to his cardiologist, and God just got this horrible report. And this cardiologist, he's sitting across the desk from this cardiologist, and this guy's reading about you know, and, the, and your and your arteries are this, and your, and your and your this is... gotten. And, and he said, before I knew it, he said I I was standing up, shaking my fist, going like this: "You're a liar! You're a liar! You're a liar!" That's a lie! That's a lie! The guy, the guy said, You're not my patient anymore. You stand up and call me a liar like that. He said, I walked out. He said, I felt so embarrassed. He said, Then the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, That was me inside of you. That was me inside of you that incited that. Because what he was trying to do is he was trying to make something out of nothing. See, you've got to understand everything that goes against the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life is a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. And the problem is fear is what causes that lie to try to step into your life and take the place of the truth. Because you have a developed belief system Fear in a heart that knows how to believe and speak God's Word can manifest the devil overnight. Amen? I heard a, a story of a lady. She, she gave the testimonies years ago, back when we used to go to the full gospel businessmen. And uh, she was in a horrible car wreck. And, and her and her three children and her husband were, were laid out all over the highway, just, you know, and cars were going around them, Some were turning over, coming to help. She was the worst injured. And then her, her three children, they were all, all of them, she had to be life-lighted. They took the other three off in, uh, in ambulances. The husband just had a few scratches on him. But he got up off the, off the, uh, 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 pavement and looked around and he started saying this, I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. He said that for about 15 minutes and fell right over dead, right in the street, right there. You say, why? Because he was developed. His belief system was developed. He is a Christian man. He had sat under teaching of the word of faith. But the trauma of what had happened caused a switch to get flipped in his soul and he began to say that and say that and say that and say that till what happened? Till it manifested. He fell over dead. She got up, that's, she got up and would tell the testimony of that in full gospel businessmen circles to get people to realize how powerful their words were. Now this is what God's saying. God's saying, listen, you're going to look for it, it's not going to be there. Why? Because you've trusted God. Because He said, I'm with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always, even until the end of the earth. He says, be not dismayed. I am thy God. He said, I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. But all of that stuff that's trying to become something in your life, you're going to have to consider it what? A thing of naught. This is what it says in the last part of verse 12. It shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. Fear in your life is trying to manifest itself in such a way where your adversary can get you to create a situation. He wants you to say it. Just, just say it. Come on, just, just say it. Just come on. Come on. Just just, you know, you've been coming to this church for three years. You've been tithing, and your, your finances have never been worse. Come on, just say, it. come on, just say it. it. Tithing door. just say it. Come on, you've been up in the There's been three special speakers, and the pastor and his wife himself. They've laid hands on you. You've been anointed with oil. You've been prayed for. You've even been called out by the gifts of the... That healing stuff doesn't work. Come on, just 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 say it. Just say it. Just, just say it. How many of you have ever been heard, heard those words in your ears? Come on. That prosperity don't work. That faith doesn't work. Why is the enemy so persistent in telling us what won't work? Now think about that. Why is your adversary so persistent in trying to tell you what will not work. The reason is, is he's already experienced what works. And he knows he's defeated, but he doesn't want you demonstrating that defeat. So he tries to keep you in a place of bondage and fear in order to keep you in a place of suppression and a place in which everything he brings into your life, you make something out of nothing. Amen. I mean, we've, we've said that for years. That ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. Devil do this. That ain't nothing. That ain't, why do we say that? We're not trying to be smart, Alex. We're not trying to be, you know, some kind of, Some kind of, uh, uh, you know, like, like nothing really means anything or nothing's important. We're trying to line up with the Word of God. If God says it's something, it's something. So what does God call something? He calls salvation something. He calls healing something. He calls prosperity something. He calls the Holy Ghost something. He calls heaven something. He calls the gifts of the Spirit something. Let me tell you one of the things that God calls something. He calls you something. He calls you a new creature. He calls you the righteousness of God in Christ. And a lot of people's biggest problem is they think they're nothing. See how the enemy will work on you? Well, you know, I'm just nobody. I'm telling you, the enemy will keep people in fear of things that are believers, that are full of the Holy Ghost, keep them in fear of loneliness, isolation. Come on all kinds of negative emotions, rejection. You say, Pastor, I've been through so much. I've been rejected. I've been married and divorced. I've had kids that reject. Listen, the enemy wants to take every negative thing in your life and make you make something out of it to where it controls and dominates you through fear. And next thing you know, you're being so controlled by fear, you don't even know how to act righteous. Now let me throw this out. This this is... uh you gotta get, you gotta, you gotta understand things that we teach and preach. We prove before we teach and preach it. Every one of us in here have the potential within the next seven days to lead someone to Jesus. Did you know that? I mean, you could meet us just walk up to walk up to a stranger on the street. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you made Jesus Christ your Lord? Somebody you work with, a family member, whoever it may be. Why don't we do that? Now, just think about it for a minute. Why don't we do it? I preached a message. One time I preached this message years ago in a camp meeting down in Corpus Christi called the most persecuted church in the world. Now, where would you think the most persecuted church in the world would be? Does anybody know? China, maybe? Russia? At the time, we hadn't had the breakthroughs in Russia uh, that we had when the, when the Iron Curtain came down. This was actually, in, in I think, in 89, 88 or 89 that I preached this message. Actually, the most persecuted church in the world is in America. You say, now how can that be? Well, physical persecution creates revival. You say, what do you mean by that? If the police department came in right now, busted through the door, busted in here, handcuffed Pastor Randy, handcuffed me, and this is the charge, preaching the gospel. There was a law passed this morning at 9 o'clock in the nation's capital that says it is a federal felony To preach the gospel. So we're going to arrest Pastor Randy and Pastor Rusty for preaching the gospel and they took us out in handcuffs. Do you think this church would be empty tonight or full? It'd be full of people. There'd be people from every church around here in this. You wouldn't stand for it. You wouldn't stand. Physical persecution causes revival. It happened in, happened in the, all through the Bible. The more they physically persecuted, The church, the more the church exploded. The more it spread all over the world. But see, the enemy knows that. So in in a land of the greatest opportunity to live this message, where does the enemy go? He doesn't come physically. He comes into our soul. He comes into our mind the way we think. So the way we think many times is, well, if, if I just walk up to somebody and start talking to about Jesus, I may be rejected. So there's a fear of rejection. Or, or, or if I start talking to somebody, they, they they might they might think I'm crazy. So there's an opinion, your fear of an uh, opinion in somebody's. See what I'm saying? Right, right. So, so, so we have all of these things in our mind. Our soul is our mind. Our emotions. How do we feel? Amen. I mean, people think about well, actually talking to some, telling somebody about Jesus, telling telling about. See, we don't even do it anymore because we don't feel like. And so that, that affects what? It affects our will. So we're no longer willing because of the way we feel and the way we think, and it's all based in fear. We just have done, how I many have we done? It's our, our third, we're doing outreaches all over our city now, where we've got these packets. They got Jesus movies, they got Tracks. They got information on our church, and we just send all these crowds of people out door to door, going door to door, just hanging and soul winning, hanging things on doors. You say, "Well, are you getting are you getting a lot of people?" saved? "Well, not really, but what we're doing is we're breaking down that fear in the church by helping people go out and preach the gospel on Saturday mornings." Amen. We're breaking that down. So there's a lot of there are a lot of people who say, "Well, you know, I, I, I'd like to get the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, but..." I mean what would they say about me I watched my dad my dad my dad and my mom my dad's 87 years old my mom went to be with the lord in 2014 I think 2014 and uh my mom and dad lived as a holy ghost couple in Galveston Texas well they lived in Pasadena first then in Galveston uh my mom was filled with the holy ghost in 61 and my dad in in uh uh February of of uh, 1962 now first the first group of people that rejected him was his own family his own family he's the oldest of 10 he's the oldest of 10 and they were raised in the first Christian church down in El Campo Texas and so you know uh, George speaks in tongues now well that that's hey you know we don't do that so he, they suffered rejection then in his chosen profession he's an attorney he's a lawyer they had to live their whole life. And my dad still lives that life today under the reproach of the gospel. But they did it unashamably. And they did it without any regret. And let me say this, they did it without any fear. Dad leads people to the Lord all the time. He talks about Jesus. He talks about God. He talks about how good God is. He had a Baptist pastor in his office that was going over all these problems that he had in his church. And my dad looked up at him and said, Are you born again? He said, I don't even know what that means. He showed him in the Bible. If you shall believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. He got a guy been a pastor for 16 years, born again. You say, why? Because just like the Apostle Paul says, I'm not afraid. Excuse me, how does he say it? I'm not ashamed. There you go. Fear causes you to be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power. See, fear brings shame. Now, let me close with this. Go real quick. I had two more verses, but i got a better one. Not that one's any better than the other. It's just better for this time. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Everybody say, fear not. fear not. Now, we take this word too lightly and we usually apply it to only one or two things of our life experience and usually that's, you know, things that we go through. Sickness, disease, poverty, like things we're believing God for. But, in the, in the reference of not being afraid, you're going to have to learn to live carefree. Now, not living carefree is living in fear. We've got two weenie dogs and a Labrador Retriever. And they have no fear And they have no stress. And they have... I wish I could live that life. Every need is met. Every need is supplied. And then some. Amen. They have no stress. My two weenie dogs, you'd think they were Doberman Pinchers. Actually, there was a big dog that got after Luna the other day. That was a Weimaraner. A big Weimaraner that got out of the yard and come running down. And you'd have thought Luna was a lion. I mean, sure, the hair stood up on the back of her all the way down to the... And she... That dog was like, man. Fearless. Now, I've noticed anything that has a lot of care is not fearless. If you're loaded down with cares, the reason that you're carrying those cares is for fear that you're not going to get an answer, and you're going to have to carry it. Any problem in your life right now, I don't care what it is, physical, financial, marital, job, business, depression, addiction, does not matter what it is, you can get an answer from God in a moment of time and be delivered from it. Amen? But if you're going to carry that thing... The things we talked about. Now, if you, want to, if you really want to get into this, take this portion of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5 and take Isaiah 41 and start in verse 10 and compare the two and read the two and what it's talking about in Isaiah 41. The nothings, the nothings, and the not. Those are the things that the enemy's trying to get you to make something out of and those are the cares that you carry. Amen? Now, let me read the Scripture. Are you ready? How's my time? Am I out of time? I don't want to go over time. Is this helping anybody? Alright, here we go. Let me find it here. Verse 6. Humble yourself, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. 1 Peter 5, five, five 6. Excuse me, that He may uh, uh, exalt you in due time. Cast, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. That's verse 7. Now notice, notice it in the Amplified. Let me read the Amplified, verse 6. Let me find it here. It says, uh, verse 7, Cast the whole of your care. Now listen to this. All of your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all. I'm read that again. Should have got at least one amen on that one. Casting the whole of your care. All of your anxieties, all of your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. i read it one more time. Casting what? All of it. We were, we were listening to, I don't know, some of you may not know who this Particular minister is, is Kennethie Hagen is his name. We were listening to some of his teaching uh, on the way up here yesterday. We we're praying in the spirit, praying about today and tonight, and, and and listening to Brother Hagen. And and he told the testimony of a woman coming up in a prayer line to get delivered uh, from 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 anxiety and fear and and cares. And this is what was what was her request. She said, uh, "I would like for God." Now listen to this. I would like for God to take at least half of these from me, to take at least half of these from me, or give me the grace to live with all of them. And of course, Brother Hagin said, I ain't going to pray for either one of those. I ain't going to pray for either one. Take half of them from me, or give me the grace to go through it all. I'm not going to believe God you get delivered from all of it. Amen. So every care, every anxiety, all your fear, all your stress. And notice in Amplified it says what? Worries. How many warriors we have? Don't, don't raise your hand. But worry is a sin. Let me say that again. Worry is a sin. And it's amazing how the enemy can manipulate, manipulate you into worry in order to get you to fear. I remember when I first started in ministry, we, first revival we preached was, was here in Grosbeck. And, and, you know, things were going good and God's blessing the ministry. And next thing I know in about five years, I find myself in meetings with, with, with guys that are flying their own jets. Guys that are filling auditoriums. I'd preach a camp meeting with them. Uh, they'd do the night service. I'd maybe, I might be able to preach a day service or something like that. And I thought to myself, the gap in between who I was, what I was doing, and who they were and what they were doing, and what I had and what they had. The gap was huge. I was handling a few hundred dollars. They were handling millions of dollars. And the enemy tried to get me to begin to fear or to begin to worry about never achieving to that level of ministry. And I'm telling you, he used to torment me. I used to think, what can I do? What can I do? Lord, I, pray. I mean, when you're praying all day long and you're traveling all the time and you're preaching all the time. Amen. What else? There's nothing else you, you can do. And finally, one day, the Lord spoke to me and says, your problem is dissatisfaction. And the enemy is using dissatisfaction on you to get you into a place of anxiety, a place of worry, a place of fear, so that he can begin to manipulate your decisions. Amen. Now listen. Whatever place you find yourself in, this is what the Apostle Paul says, you must be in a place of contentment. Say, well, Pastor, what if I'm laying flat on my back in the hospital? You still must find contentment in Christ. That doesn't mean you're content with where you're at. That means you're content with who you are. And until you're content with who you are, you'll never be content with where you're at and you'll always live in dissatisfaction. Now, the reason I use Genesis, and the reason I'm using this Scripture, is to tie the two, the front and the back together, to make a complete package. You say, what do you mean by that? What happened to the woman in the garden? How did they get into it? I mean, here's this beautiful creation of God. Every tree you could think of. I mean, every fruit tree, nut tree, you name it. It was all there. All of it was there. Amen? They were only given one command. Don't eat that tree. Don't eat that tree. So what did the adversary do? He got her eyes off everything she did have and got her eyes on the one thing she couldn't have and created in her a dissatisfaction. And when he got her on the dissatisfaction, what do you think? How do you think this process took place? she began to become subject to a lie. Because anything in your life in which the enemy can get you into a place of dissatisfaction, it's a lie. Amen? After being in the ministry for about 20 years, I, I began to really enjoy the place in ministry I was at. I began to see the weight of ministries that gathered tens of thousands of people. I begin to see the weight of ministries that handled millions and millions of dollars. Lee and I, we've handled millions of dollars in the years that we've been in ministry. But I begin to see the weight and the responsibility of ministries on that level. And I begin to thank God for the level that I was on. And I begin to thank God and I got rid of that dissatisfaction. And when I got rid of that dissatisfaction, I became less and less susceptible to the lies of the devil. It's your cares your anxieties, your worries. I like what one old preacher said years yours. God thought it was really good. He said, what do you got to worry about? In the human family, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? You die. But in the Christian family, in God's family, what's the best thing that could happen to you? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know we were, we have a friend, uh, Pastor Randy knows him, George Sims. Last year George wasn't doing too good. We 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 went uh, on a on a bird hunt and I could tell he could only walk about five or six steps. He'd have to sit down and rest. I said George, you're not doing too good. He said, Yeah, I've been having a hard time breathing. So about a week after that, he went to the to the uh, what's it called the urgent care. Well, the urgent care called an ambulance, and the ambulance rushed him to the emergency room. He just sitting. Now you got to know him. He's kind of a different kind of guy. He has no cares whatsoever, and so he's he's kind of sitting there. And so they're 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 in the emergency room, and all these doctors are running, and they they got him hooked to all these machines, and and he's got no blood pressure, and is all this kind of. And so finally, one of the technicians said, "Sir, you don't understand how serious this is." And he smiled and said, "To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord." <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, death is not a defeat. It's a ticket to heaven. I don't know anybody's ever come back that wanted to. Well, I'd like to go back to the earth where, you know, the devil is and, and, and sickness and disease and yeah, let me go back. No, no. No, that's not it. But you have to understand all of those cares, all of those anxieties, all of that, all of that. You've got to do what? You've got to cast it on the Lord. Now, let me close with this. How do you do that? Okay, Pastor, I understand. I'm not to walk in fear and anxiety, worry, all these woes and cares cause that fear. And if I walk in fear, then everything that I do is I'm a puppet of the devil creating negative stuff in my life. How, how do you create the negative stuff in your life? By what you say and what you believe and how you act. So you're going to have to cast. Everybody say Cast. Yeah. Everybody say cast. You cast the same way you hang on. How do you hang on to a problem? By researching it and talking about it and and and, and doing all the things that you do. Amen. To 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 give that problem access to your life and mind. But in order to cast a care. You know, I've always said this. One of the greatest prayers of faith is the prayer of release. I ain't carrying this thing another minute. I ain't carrying this thing another minute. I'm not carrying this sickness. I'm not carrying this disease. I'm not carrying. Listen, I believe I receive. Therefore, I shall have it. I like one guy. He was, went through a process of, of receiving healing. And he said the devil kept messing with his mind saying, well, every time you say you're healed, you're lying. He said, I'm not saying I'm healed. And then so the devil always tries to get on the word side and mess with you. He said, well, yeah, aren't you a word person? Aren't you saying you're healed? He said, no, I'm saying I, I'm saying I believe I receive. I say, I believe I receive my healing. I say, I'm... and he said it wasn't about two weeks later. Next thing you know, it was all gone. Everything that was attacking his body. See, the enemy, he'll get on one side and try to put fear in you, and then once you obey God, you will go to get on the other side and try to use scripture and spirituality to get, to keep you in fear. He's a rat. That's why you gotta walk. So you gotta cast with what? With your words. One of the best ways to do it is to say, you know, Lord, according to uh, Isaiah 41, the Bible says, fear thou not. I ain't gonna fear. You ought to start telling yourself every day, I'm not gonna fear. I'm not gonna walk in fear. I'm not gonna entertain fear. I'm not gonna think fear. And listen, you've got to make sure that you close every door in your life that causes fear to come into your life. And listen, if you're subject to be agitated and stirred up by all this political stuff, quit looking at it. Quit thinking about it. Because you can get on this side over here and say, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Then get on this side over here and go, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. And, in the, and at the end of the day, it has no effect on your life whatsoever. Come on. In the long run, it really has no effect on... You're still going to get a light bill from the light company. You're still going to be living in Grosbeck, Texas. You're still going to have to buy your groceries down at the grocery store. You're still going to have to buy your gas at the gas station. It's still going to be hot in the summer and cool in the winter. It's not It's not going to change anything for you to get stirred up over things that have nothing to do with your life. (laughs) I got one time... He was an associate pastor of a church. I was preaching revival. I still laugh at this today. pastor had to go to Houston to be with a, a, a someone in the church that was going through surgery. So they asked the associate pastor to take me to lunch. So he takes me to lunch. And something was going on in the stock market. And so he was just, have you seen the stock market? He said, you know, the stock market dropped all these points. And he was going on and on and on and on about the stock market. So finally I said this. I said, do you even know what the stock market is? And he looked at me kind of puzzled and said, no. <laughs> I said, and you just talked for 15 minutes how stirred up you are over the stock market and you don't even know what the stock market is. Hey, if they quit having the stock market tomorrow, it wouldn't affect me. If they said, we've canceled the stock market or we've lost all of the, what is it, 27,000? I know a little bit about what it is, but what I'm saying is, most of the things that the enemy will try to get us in anxiety, worry, woe, all that, it really does not have much of an effect on our lives. Well, you might get cancer. Well, you might not. You stand on the words you want. Amen. Amen. All of the things in life that the enemy wants to make something out of, you've got to begin to say, that's nothing. That's nothing. Enemy say, you know, you gave in two offerings on Sunday. You're not going to have enough money for your next... You say, that's nothing. That's nothing. My God shall supply all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? He says, well, you know, you may get the flu. At our church, we take flu shots. Amen? Well, I mean, we take them. Don't we, sweetie? We take flu shots. I think next week is our flu shot Sunday. And no doctor comes, no pharmacist comes, and nobody gets a needle. We get up and we make a confession, and we do not receive the flu season. I, I can't remember the last time I had the flu. Nah, that, that doesn't mean I hadn't been tempted. Last time I was tempted three times. And all three times, within about 20 to 30 minutes, every symptom was gone. I recognized it when it came, first time it swept over me like I thought, yuck. I ain't receiving this. And I begin to speak against it. Then I begin to worship God. And it just left just like that. You've got to make a decision that no matter what it is, you can't use fear to anticipate a negative result. You have to use faith so that you can believe you receive and receive what God has for you in Christ Jesus. Amen? And if you'll do that, then I guarantee you, you'll begin to recognize when fear is trying to get a hold of you, You'll begin to recognize when it's trying to dominate, manipulate you, and you'll quit making fear decisions, and you'll start making faith decisions. Amen. Let me say this. I, know I get to rambling sometimes, but this may help you. First time the Lord ever spoke to, 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 to Lee and I, or our ministry, to give a large offering. It was $10,000. This was back in 1994. And I $10,000 at that time was a third of our budget for a month. It took us at that time thirty thousand dollars a month to operate our ministry. We were traveling a lot, we were doing a lot, and I remember the fir- when the Lord spoke it to me, the first thing that gripped me was fear, and I I just I mean I was I couldn't do it, I just couldn't do it. I mean the money was there; it's not like I didn't have the money, but the money was there, and the Lord was saying, "I want you to take that ten thousand dollars," and He wanted to give me He wanted me to give it to a ministry that had millions. And I'm thinking, Lord, he should be giving me $10,000. <laughs> Instead of me giving him $10,000, you know? And I'll never forget, I was, it was a Monday service at a, at a, we are doing a Sunday through Wednesday, two service a day service. And I got up and I could almost tangibly feel that, that fear. And the Lord said something to me. This is what he said. He said, you do it now or forget it. And we, when he said that, faith rose up in me, realizing if I don't do this now, I'm gonna disobey God. So as soon as that, I said amen on that Monday morning, I asked the pastor where his office was. I went and made the phone call and sold that, sold that offering. Did you know the enemy from that time forward has never been able to put that fear on me again when the Lord said give something? I mean, we've given hundreds of thousands of dollars and 50,000, 100,000 at a time. Never has been able to inhibit me. You say, why? Because you come to a point in every endeavor of your life in which fear brings you to the decision of whether you're going to step into it or step out of it. But if you'll step into it, God will bless you. If you will, fear not. Amen?